Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another weekly installment of the Sing Second Podcast, where we focus on all the happenings around college football. We welcome you back fresh off a week where we saw a few upsets, some lopsided victories, and a whole lot of spirit cheese. We're here to break down week six in college football. Listeners, right now, press pause. Take a second. Grab your snacks and your drinks. You're going to want something that complements Brandon's amazing stories. The four of us are enjoying each other's company through Zoom. Hopefully soon we can get back to D Street Studios, but we're enjoying each other's company with some great snacks and drinks, courtesy of our friends at Nebraska Land Bank. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SingSecond, on Instagram at SingSecondPod, and let's spread the good word. Speaking of the good word, Danny, what's good? Thanks for asking. Uh, you did mention uh, drinks and snacks brought to us by Nebraska Land Bank. Um, so I just kind of wanted to uh, take a moment to give a, a quick shout out to them. Uh, being the first sponsor that the Sing Second podcast has had. Uh, they're, they're a great group to, to be associated with. Um, so, you know, just, just a thank you to them. Uh, they're, they're a group that does a lot for our community here. Um, I believe that their uh, tagline is, is community-minded, and I don't think that's a lie. I think that's the truth. I think they've got a lot of people in their organization that really uh, enjoy being out in the community and, and supporting community things, and they've, they've chosen to support us. Um, so just, just a, a thank you to them, and it's kind of exciting uh, point to be at in our podcast where we, uh, we have people that want to be along for the ride and, and part of part of our group. So that's what's good for me right now. Uh, Kyle, what's good for you? Peace. Talk about a, a different level of preparedness off the top, huh? Like we now officially have this sponsor. Apparently Andy took that as a sign of, hey, maybe we should actually be prepared to, to do this. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of shell shook a little bit because I'm not used to being – so well introduced, but uh, what's good? There, There's obviously a lot of things you can pick from. Uh, out of the four of us, I was the last one to be a new father, so I'm going through a, a lot of firsts kind of for the fourth time out of the group and just got done with bath time uh, with my kid as he's trying to break into the into the room here, and it's just fun, fun, fun doing bath time, fun doing fatherly son things. So that's what's good. Bath, bath time can be it, – it's generally a fun time, but there are those those days when you're kind of in a time crunch and bath time has to be a fast bath time, and, and those can get a little frustrating sometimes. So, hey, man. Yeah, like it, as, you, as you prepare to, to do a podcast and uh, the, the rest of the group said 7.30, 7.45, and apparently bath time started at 7.25. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Hey, times are flexible here for this crew. Yeah, well, I don't know anymore. Now that we have the official introductions now, I think I think we better tighten down the hatches a little bit more and and everybody needs to be a little bit more professional. Like next time I think I'm going to wear a collared shirt just because <laughs> that intro was so so clean. Well, shoot, you have to take, put on a collared shirt sometime today. Certainly not going to be at school, so it might yeah. as well be for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, swinging it around the horn here, Brandon, what's good? Well, I got a list of some things that are 
that are good for me right now. It's going to kind of sound a little bit like a poem, but it's not. It's uh, leaves changing color. That's cool. Pumpkin patches. Those are cool. Corn stalks, s'mores, hay rack rides, snickerdoodle cookies, football fire pits, listening to games on the radio. I know we're in a TV day and age, but I still enjoy listening to football games on the radio. Uh, fall time in the autumn. It's October. It is literally the one season where it, the whole reason why we have fall is just so you can take a little time and enjoy the moment. You know, as soon as fall's over, you get to about three weeks before, uh, before Halloween. And it's like, oh, man, we got to get ready for that Christmas. Got to get ready for winter. Oh, my God. Then winter gets here, and it's like, oh, man, I cannot wait till spring gets here. We got to get, we gotta get spring here right now. It's got to be here right now. And then spring gets here. Oh, man, I got to get all these chore things done. I have to get all the water blowed out or whatever, the sprinkler. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. But you got to have somebody stuff. come and you got to have somebody do it. You know, and then after that, it's like, oh, man, now I need, now I need summertime here. And then it's like, oh, we got to go on this. Fall, it's like, dude, a long time ago, the pilgrims were like, hey, man, we just need to hang out, just eat some food, just enjoy this stuff before crap gets crazy. And then uh, no matter who, no matter what the descendants were from, they're like, bruh, I can totally relate to that. Totally can. So. Uh, yeah, that's what's, that's what's good for me, fall time right now. Hey, before we get too far into it, this is a question just has to be answered. Where do you guys stand on when to decorate for Christmas? For me, uh, typically I like to go, uh, like, back in the day it used to be the weekend after Thanksgiving. And then one time I was like, man, it's about to be real crazy around Thanksgiving. I'm going to do it the weekend before Thanksgiving. And then when we came back from Thanksgiving, I was like, whoa, this is way better than last year. We had that super balmy day, like two weeks before Thanksgiving. And I was like, might as well. So I may do it tomorrow. Uh, you know, tomorrow looks like it's supposed to be nice and not windy. That's yep. Man, you just took us all over the map with holidays. I, I was, I was nice and relaxed when Brandon was getting into like the the October fall vibe. Um, I can't get on board with hay rack rides though. I think those are terrible. Um, I don't really believe that you listen to football games on the radio, but um, then you, you like fast forwarded. Yep. Spit the drink out. You fast forwarded from like the cool fall vibe, like all the way through all the stressful stuff. So now you got me a little stressed out. Well, that's man. what I'm saying. Enjoy the time now before that happens. Yeah, and actually, maybe a hay rack ride will settle you down. No, nah, I'm not for that. Oh it's my god, uncomfortable. There's probably a football game you really wish you were watching, but you have to pretend like you're enjoying sitting on a hay bale and on a trailer. Um, but no, I think it's to answer your question, Kyle. I think it has to be the day after Thanksgiving. Reason being, not that I'm like any strong opinions about Christmas, but Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. Um, because of the things that Brandon just described. It's just relaxing, relaxing time to um, hang out with friends and family and, and uh, not have the stress of having to buy gifts. So I don't want to put any Christmas before any Thanksgiving stuff. But as soon as Thanksgiving is over, then it's 
Christmas music on and, and decorating for Christmas. But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have any strong arguments. That's just my opinion. That's where my wife and I disagree. Just because the Christmas decorations are up does not mean I am devaluing Thanksgiving. Well, okay, so I I'm I'm thinking specifically trees. Like you could put any Christmas stuff up you want, but we are to to kind of go off of Brandon's fall vibe. We're a we're a cut down alive tree family. And I think the tree should not be up until until after Thanksgiving. I'll tell you what I've done and it's kind of helped bridge. We're at we like the natural tree as well and then we have a second tree which I deem as the football and a few other sports tree and so that one will come up that one may come up pretty soon and I got those like tiny little pocket football helmets and uh kind of different conferences and I kind of make a little football tree and kind of go in there I think you should put our sing second helmet on top of that like as the as the topper this year it's a good idea real good idea Brent, or uh, Andy hasn't had a lot to say. I'm assuming that's just because he probably doesn't celebrate Christmas or decorate for it. Neither did well, the Well, as that's a uh, since we bought our house in October last year, I've only really decorated for Christmas truly one time with, with lights and stuff. And Maggie's old Mrs. Claus and wants stuff almost up here year-round. Um, and I'm kind of indifferent about it. So when she says it's go time, it's go time. Nice. Good man. What's up? What's good with you, Andy? Well, I made it another week. I was kind of nervous uh, after Danny spilt the beans about the old TV uh, plan there at the uh, at the old second t- mobile st- TV stand, and so um, the couch was comfy. <laughs> um, I, I survived, uh, and we we bought the TV, and so it's ready to uh, ready to be hung. So uh, it'll be it'll be perfect double screen watching this weekend uh but what's other this weekend buddy you're gonna need it uh what's really good though uh the air force instagram page um as soon as that game kicked off against navy and air force looked like the they're the supreme team uh air force's instagram page took off with memes took off with uh anything and everything related to the COVID and social distancing on their long runs, the perfect way to social distance and is all these 40 yard touchdown runs and things like that. And so Air Force really hyped up the, the win over Navy and kind of that first win in the, the commander in chief trophy. And so uh, following them on Instagram has kind of been fun this last few days. But anywho, uh, jumping forward uh, to recap from last week's picks uh, the first game on the docket was North Dakota State at Central Arkansas. Uh, we all picked North Dakota. Uh, they end up winning in a pretty tight game. They end up winning by two scores, but uh, it was back and forth for the most part. Uh, the second game on the docket was Air Force Navy. And after the Spirit Cheese story and after all this drama with 40 players opting out of Air Force's uh, season, we all chose Navy. And it turns out Brandon convinced us and then unconvinced us all in the same argument so we all missed that um that's on that navy is... by the way that's on navy. that's not <laughs> on me. do your job yeah, navy <laughs> <laughs> but that, that brings up a good question um and i'm sure brandon will talk about it a little bit later because it deals with the game he picked but north dakota state zero games central arkansas had three games 
Navy had three games. Air Force had zero games. And they came out and did kind of the totally opposite thing. North Dakota State was very rusty. Air Force said, we know who we are. This is what we do. Um, whether we're missing 40 guys and half of them starters on defense or not, we're going to play together and not miss a beat. And so um, my qu quick question before we move on, and this is, can be pretty brief, what's going to be the more, the more norm? Which one was more fluky? North Dakota State, the machine being rusty, or Air Force being all in at one game, ready to go, no rust? Beats the heck out of me. <laughs> I think like, the I answer can't, is I can't guess anymore. I think it's just unpredictability. I think you you can't know what to expect. I think this is going to be a a weird year entirely. For sure, Kyle. Anything real quick before we jump back in it? Well, I would say pro I don't know what really what the question would be is I'm picking Air Force because isn't that North Dakota State's one and only game? So uh, they're going to be pretty rusty no matter when they play next since they kind of loaded up just for that one game didn't they yeah, well yeah and no, I get what uh, you're saying no I, I think that's the craziest part about it and I think that has to be factored into it where like they're they were preparing for one game they knew they had one game coming in before they take their the hiatus before their spring season so like, I don't even know what the what the mindset would even be like going into a game like that. Just knowing that it's such a weird situation, but it was a game that you wanted to play just to kind of, I don't know, maybe get a little bit of normalcy, kind of make all those practices worth something. But then now they're checking in. I'm assuming they're practicing, but now in a sense they're checking in their game uniforms and won't use them until the spring. That's it's kind of reflective of our – of our conversation we had in bowl season about motivation and what, what kind of, or how much those external or maybe mental factors can, can really affect the outcome of the game. But I guess you also got to consider, I think, I think it's hard when you haven't played a live game to be prepared to play a live game, but also those teams like Navy that's our, that had already played, they had a lot on film already for Air Force to, to be looking at, whereas maybe Navy didn't quite know what to expect from, from Air Force. So I don't know. I just, I just think it's all going to be unpredictable um, probably most of the season. Yeah, yeah. Now, listeners, go back, re-listen to last week's podcast because I told you guys that Brandon Peterson's quarterback of the future would play one game and go pro. Today, maybe it was yesterday evening, Trey Lance is forgoing his rest of his redshirt sophomore season, and he is going to enter the NFL draft. And so uh, he played one game, and he threw his first interception. So he is human. We all make mistakes. Um, but he, uh, he's going to end his North Dakota State playing career and, and enter the NFL draft. So, Brandon, might as well already get order the jersey because it's happening. I tell you what, I also predicted he'd win every game he played this year. So, uh, <laughs> I got that going, too. Take it to Vegas there. Yep. Uh, jumping back into it, Georgia and Auburn. Uh, Kyle and Brandon picked Georgia, and uh, Danny and I picked Auburn, and Auburn looked terrible. Georgia uh, looked like the real deal. Their suspect quarterback play seemed to be fixed. 
and uh, the disappointing Auburn that a lot of Auburn fans are accustomed to decided to show up. And then lastly, Clemson. They played Virginia, and we all four picked Clemson, and Clemson did Clemson stuff. So uh, that brings the score, overall score. Kyle, first place, 12-3. and three. Brandon, 10-5. and five. Then Danny and I at 8-7. and seven. So we've got some oh. work to, to do. Um, other notable games. Uh, there's, this was kind of a week of crazy – crazy turns of events. Uh, TCU beat Texas, and I believe Texas was number nine at the time. Tulsa beat UCF. Arkansas beat Mississippi State. Iowa State beat Oklahoma State, handing them two straight losses in Big 12 for the first time in a long time. North, North Carolina State beat Pittsburgh, and SMU beat Memphis. And so, Kyle, I think you brought in a stat sometime earlier this week about uh, this is the most ranked teams I've lost in a week in a long time or something. Yeah, it was something like, like it was the the most teams, the most ranked teams losing to unranked teams at home ever. I think it tied. And, and so, so there's six games there, plus you add the Auburn loss, and there's one other loss where there are two ranked teams. So eight ranked teams lost on, on one weekend, which is, I mean, obviously a little bit of just the season because it's a conference-only slate, but – that's quite a few teams to, to get knocked off there. Moving do you think, on. Do you think the, years down years down the road when, like, that's repeated or beat, there'll always be a thing next to it saying, like, yeah, but in 2020 that was a, that was a weird season? Like, what are, what are rankings even, even worth right now? I don't think you really know anything about any teams right now. I think you'll get a lot of Aflac trivia questions, like the ones that you see during the middle of the game. You're going to get a lot of Aflac trivia questions that their answers are going to be based around this season quite a bit. Well, and those teams that put the asterisk might be like in Oklahoma, who is not perfect in Big 12 play. Those teams that should have been conference contenders, but because of COVID, they didn't have the time to prepare type of deal. Uh, but moving on, this week's slate, uh, the four games we picked we'll touch upon here in a minute. But I have a few quick takes that I'm going to ramble through as fast as I can so we can get right to it. Uh, but there's a little hey, bit of Take your time, left. man. Take your time. Well, Kyle's already done bath time. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, there's a loaded 11 o'clock slate. And Danny and I talked about four games. Uh, two we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but the first one, Texas at Oklahoma. Both lost last week. If OU wins this game and Texas loses a second game, that spells big trouble for the Big 12 because the teams in first place are teams like Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas State, TCU. So those teams at the top basically eliminate them from big uh, the, the championship contention. Speaking of the Big 12, Coastal Carolina at Louisiana. Week two of the Big 12 championship part – do. Uh, Coastal Carolina beat Arkansas State last week. Arkansas State beat Kansas State. And Coastal Carolina beat Kansas. Louisiana beat Iowa State. So here we go with the Big 12 Championship Part 2. Um, then there's obviously two games later. Uh, the twelve thirty lineup, Army plays the Citadel. Both are triple option teams. So if you like zero passes on the scoreboard in a game that has a two-hour time limit, this is going to be for you. 2.30, Tennessee at Georgia. Uh, is Tennessee for real? They have a great O-line, but Georgia's defensive line is great. So what uh, What gives in first? 
BYU at UTSA. That's Texas San Antonio. BYU stands for the Bully U University. Uh, they are running down everybody's competition. They're outscoring teams 148 to 24 this year, and they look like bullies out there. So they're not Brigham Young University, but Bully U University. Uh, the three o'clock matchup, K-State versus TCU. The winner becomes the front runner of the Big 12. K-State obviously knocking off Oklahoma in past weeks and TCU beating Texas. Then the five o'clock game, maybe the most talked about game that no one's talking about. Alabama at Ole Miss. Nick Saban at Lane Kiffin. And I can't wait just to hear all the jabs that Kiffin throws at Saban uh, throughout the week. And uh, because Kiffin still subtweets uh, Saban at least twice a week. And he's just kind of a, a beautiful soul who left Boca Raton. And so, I mean, I, I can't wait to watch that game at 5 o'clock. Now breathe. Breathe, Andy. Breathe. I mean, we could have a lot of thoughts. You, you just went through a lot. But uh, my, my initial thought is, did you guys see the – Lane train shirt that he was wearing last week in his press conference said something like all aboard the lane train and a picture of himself on his own t-shirt, which I don't know. Do you, do you respect that? Or is that, is that terrible? I don't know. The um, only other people to do that are the sing second podcast crew, but that didn't go through. So. And uh, Ole Miss in the last like three times they've played Alabama, they've lost by an average of like 50 points and, Lane, Lane mentioned that today, I think, to maybe just set it up in case he, you know, does better than losing by 50 points. Other than that, I think hasn't the Big 12 already just run themselves out of contention for the playoff? Like, is there a Big 12 team that could, at this point, already in the season, you see making the, the top top four? Not a chance. But shoot, if if this wasn't a COVID season, would old uh, Todd Todd Herman be out at Texas after this year if he were to lose to OU again? What's his first name? I don't. Tom Herman. Yeah, Todd. Todd <laughs> Herman. Jesus, <laughs> Louise. I did all this other homework and I didn't spend time on Texas. Jesus, um, Louise. We're gonna call uh, him Old Todd from now on. Old Todd. <laughs> old on a Todd. first first name basis. It's not Tom. It's Todd. <laughs> How disappointing is it going to be watching the Red River shootout without seeing a completely packed stadium com- dissected perfectly in red and orange? Yeah, that that rivalry annoys me. Anyway, I don't. I honestly don't really care. Try saying Red River rivalry fast, or with a speech impediment to Red River rivalry. I don't know. I'm, are you guys interested in that game? I'm not really interested in that game. Oh, Other it. than tech, Texas is ranked 22nd, uh, but they're but they're the underdog to unranked Oklahoma. So there's, I was there's actually something. When I looked at the top 25, that was actually one of the first things that I looked at, knowing that they were about to play, just to see when would have been the last time that the, the Red River rivalry was played against two unranked teams. But Texas somehow held on to a – a ranking of 22. Yeah. Coastal Carolina is going to take them over after this week. Better be. I mean, shoot, they're 3-0. and Louisiana's been ranked, and they they show very little weakness. So It's about time Pebble Beach has a, a football powerhouse <laughs> with, uh, yeah, we... with some respect on its name. <laughs> 
Golf, not my game. Still funny <laughs> joke. But, but no, let's go ahead and move forward into our picks for this week. Uh, the first one is an 11 o'clock matchup, one of those four games we talked or alluded to earlier. It takes place on ABC. It's number 19, Virginia Tech, who comes in at 2-0. At number 8, North Carolina, who comes in at 2-0. Uh, the line is set at negative 5.5 as of 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Danny, this is your game of the week. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah, I mean, well, Andy and I didn't communicate well enough because a lot of the things that he was just talking about were, were some of the same things that I was going to mention. Those those 11 o'clock games are, are, are a pretty nice thing to wake up to this Saturday. And I, I was going to tease my game a little bit and give you the uh, number 19 Virginia Tech at number eight North Carolina. You're a grown man with three kids. Why are you only waking up at 11 o'clock on a Saturday? I mean – wake up and ease your way into but oh okay you, you'll you'll find this out Kyle when your kids get a little older they like to sleep in too <laughs> and and when your puppy gets a little older they like to sleep in also you just you're in a rough spot right now man yeah negative on both ends but you're you're handling it like like a champ but no uh no, I was gonna I was gonna tease that game a little bit and talk about some of the other games, but I would like to, if it's okay with you guys, take just a minute to talk to you about something that's changed in my life, an actual positive thing regarding COVID nineteen. Because in years past, my weekends have been very full. We got, you know, pretty chaotic with with three kids, with a lot of traveling, like sitting down to watch whole football games on a Saturday is pretty rare. Um, plus a lot of the time you're, you're planning your day around the Husker game and you're going to, you're going to set aside that three or four hours just to watch, just to watch the Huskers. So I guess maybe a positive um, of, of the whole COVID-19 situation is that weekends are now like a, like a blank canvas for me. And I get to, because I don't have a lot going on, spend some time during the week, like planning out my weekends. Do you guys remember back in the day when, when there was nothing on Saturdays and it was like this whole day to look forward to and you, you could do whatever you wanted for the entire day, kind of like when you're a little kid? And, and I, I feel like I'm back to that. You know, I've got this, uh, this thing I can ponder all week and, and plan my weekend out. So let me tell you a little bit about my weekends. Uh, this fall, and it kind of goes along with what Brandon was saying about um, enjoying all of the things that fall brings. So uh, my usual plan begins on a Friday night on my patio, watching the now televised high school football games that are on. Uh, I get to watch a lot of my friends out there coaching. Uh, I get to watch my nephew playing and, and a lot of his friends who are also students of mine. And winning games, which is, which is uh, even more fun. And then Saturday. So you mentioned sleeping in, Kyle. I would say sleeping in for me is maybe, maybe eight or nine on a Saturday, waking up slow, brewing a cup of coffee, taking the dog for a walk. I'm now 40, so I do enjoy getting up and, and taking the dog for a, for a stroll on a Saturday morning. Um, then sitting down afterwards, maybe another cup of coffee, perhaps something else uh, to enjoy those mid-morning kickoffs. And it's just been glorious for me having that whole Saturday 
uh, open. And, and this Saturday, like, like Brandon mentioned, or sorry, like Andy mentioned, our 11 o'clock slate is pretty good. Uh, we got Florida A&M. We got the old Red River rivalry. We got my, uh, my team to keep an eye on this year, Coastal Carolina, uh, taking on number 23, Louisiana at 11 a.m. Uh, I think if they beat them, maybe Coastal Carolina cracks into the, to the top 25, which is going to make that hat that I just ordered, which should be here by the weekend, look pretty nice when I wear it. Um, and then the game that I've picked is number 19, Virginia Tech, at number eight, North Carolina. So of all of those 11 a.m. games that I'm really excited about, let me give you a few reasons why I think this is the game to keep an eye on. Uh, first of all, two top 25 teams. So that's always nice. Like we've talked about in the past to see those little numbers uh, next to both teams shows that it's a pretty good matchup. Um, they are in the ACC. So they're competing for second in the ACC behind Clemson. Um, second yeah, reason. Easy, easy. I mean, that's what's happening. <laughs> hey, that, what was the ACC championship was a 30 point difference last year, I believe. Uh, second reason is, is good old Mac Brown. I think we can all agree. We probably all used to love to hate him when he was at Texas. Uh, but I feel like we've all kind of come to an agreement or maybe it's just me projecting this onto you guys, but we kind of respect the guy now that he's, he's back to his old stomping grounds in North Carolina. They're the eighth ranked team, which has been a, a long time. I would imagine, uh, since North Carolina was consistently in the top 10. Uh, making their football team relevant again. They're not just a basketball school anymore, it's starting to seem like. Uh, which brings me to my third point. I'm giving them right now, in my mind, they're a top five uniform. What do you guys think about the North Carolina uniforms? I see a shake in the head no for Brandon. You're not, you're not into the powder blue? I like the powder blue a lot, but I wouldn't say a top five uniform. But Here, I like, here's I what like I, the color. What I really like is they went all white last week. For some reason, I've always been a, a fan of just the, you know, the all white uniforms with some accents. And then they accent their pants with that detailing that I'm guessing they just took straight from their basketball team. Because the only other place I've seen that is like on the side of the North Carolina uniform. So I think it's pretty cool that they throw that little that little ode to the basketball team on their football uniforms. And, and you know, if you were truly a North Carolina fan, which I'm not, I just think it's cool what they're doing right now. I think it'd be neat to, to be able to see the basketball team and the football team both, both uh, you know, in a little spot of prominence. So um, I'll throw it to Andy. I think he's got a comment in just a second, but – uh, North Carolina is around a six-point favorite. Uh, they're going to win the game. They're going to cover the points. Uh, that's the game to watch. I would recommend multiple screens. Bunch of good stuff going on at, at 11 a.m. on Saturday. So, so I'm excited. I think you guys should be excited, too. It's going to be a nice, crisp fall day uh, that Brandon's going to enjoy. Uh, he may be having to tune in, listening to his transistor radio while he's out on the uh, – on the hay rack ride, uh, but a lot to look forward to this weekend. What do you think, Andy? All right, so a few points there that you kind of mentioned. Um, in regards to the uniform, 
Uh, I do agree. My favorite UNC uniform, though, is when they go with the navy and the accents are that Carolina blue. That's a sweet one. Um, yes. Usually the same the same colors don't really mesh well, but some about that navy and that Carolina blue go together so sweet. Um, just kind of looking at North Carolina's schedule, uh, since they aren't perennially per, pre, per, perennially that's not worse. Spell that, please. <laughs> Since they are usually not a top ten program, um, this this game kind of has a has trap written all over it. Um, if they play Miami, I feel like Miami's the better team there. Clemson's obviously Clemson. Notre Dame, uh, a top five program year in year out. So this would ACC could be kind of powerhouse. A, yeah, for the first time in a hundred years or whatever it is, but. This could, this could be that trap game or it could be that statement game. Now, Virginia Tech does have a ton of people out. Uh, they come off a win last week uh, when they had, you know, a ton of, uh, ton of guys out against Duke but didn't matter. Uh, so this one I was kind of on the fence about, but I think I'll take North Carolina as well. Uh, Brandon? Okay, well, here's the thing. Oh, sorry. Is, is there – is there high expectations really anywhere for North Carolina, though? I mean, is it is it that bad for them if they lose lose to Virginia Tech? Is that a huge win for them if they beat them? I don't know. Uh, again, just with the numbers, and I think North Carolina with uh, that quarterback, he's a true sophomore now. Um, I think this the they want to chase Clemson, chase Miami, but I, I think they feel like they're way better than Virginia Tech. Um, here's a here's a random stat. Their quarterback, whose name I can't mention, sorry, I don't know his name. Um, which one? Which which quarterback? North Carolina's Seth. He has not thrown a pass over twenty yards or completed a pass over twenty yards this year. That's that's just, a little I sketchy. I just read that the other day. That's a little sketchy. Oh, also, side note, Danny, uh, are you a big Red Hot Chili Pepper fan? Um, not a big fan. I I, I enjoy their music. All right. Well, you know the song "Danny California." Yeah. Well, you're wearing a Clemson sweatshirt. I am. Coastal Carolina fan. Kind of of the Mac Brown, North Carolina. So you're going to be Danny Carolina from here on out, okay? I see it. I like it. We're going to get that on a T-shirt with your face. I'll change all my fantasy football team names right now. Danny Carolina. Yep. Boom. All right, Brandon, your pick. All right, well, I had a bold preseason pick, much like my – Air Force One originally this summer. I thought Air Force would sweep the commander-in-chief. I had another bold pick, and that was that uh, North Carolina is going to replace Clemson this year as the class of the ACC. Oh, wait on that a little bit, man. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on it. I'm not second-guessing myself ever again. Or maybe I will. Too big <laughs> determined. So, uh, that, that was a big pick of mine. So, what I think, I think the Hokies are going to look to run the ball. Uh, they have good backs, especially all Khalil Herbert. Uh, they have a very good offensive line. They have big physical receivers who like to block and like to catch. They, they probably like to catch more, but they are also very good at blocking, I should say that. Uh, Virginia Tech uh, has a super aggressive defense that likes to come after you. And they're pretty good at disguising their blitzes. Uh, North Carolina, up to this point, is pretty good against the run. Remember last bowl season when uh, we were doing our bowl pick'em show, and I had a 
North Carolina Temple game. And uh, I kind of got excited about a former quarterback who switched to linebacker, Chaz Surratt. And at the time I said, I don't know if I'm saying that. And I still don't know a uh, full season later if I'm saying that correctly. Old Chaz Surratt's back for his senior year as a linebacker. He's a Tar Heel by way of Denver, North Carolina. So, yeah, we got Denver, Colorado. We got Denver, the last dinosaur. He's my friend and a whole lot more. And we got Denver, <laughs> North Carolina. Some people are saying Chaz Surratt could be a first-round pick going into this year. The Eagles don't value linebackers, so uh, <laughs> not going to draft him at that early. But uh, I think he is a good player. Uh, he's going to run around and make plays. Mac Brown's offense is at its best this year. When they run the ball well, uh, when I have looked at some of their discussion boards, people are kind of wanting a little bit more out of Mac Brown's offense. And uh, attack. I think he's going to look to run it a little bit more. I think he wants to get the screen game going. Um, I think North Carolina is going to get in their own way a little bit. Uh, they, they've had some miscues. They, had a, they have a ton of penalties. But uh, I think that's not going to be enough to set them aside. And I think – wait, yeah. I think uh, North Carolina is going to squeak by super close, super close victory. It's going to be real physical. And I'm a, I did not like Mac Brown ever. I do not. I, I still don't like him. Just last year, waving the one, well, one more second in North Carolina for that one. And I'm like, dude, dude, come on, man. And uh, I think he is recruiting wonderfully at North Carolina. I think they're putting together some good things. And I can't have this team dethroning the Mighty Tigers in all their glory right now, if they can't beat Virginia Tech, who's not, you know, I'm not going to say not our father's Virginia Tech. He's not an older brother's Virginia Tech, you know, the Frank Beamer days. So I think North Carolina's going to win a close one. Go Mac Brown. So that's what I got. Um, Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, uh, when Brandon says not your not your a little slightly older cousins Virginia Tech exactly. with with Frank Beamer and the boys was that uh, like Tyrod Taylor Virginia Tech I don't even know what like go back oh, Virginia I'm talking, Tech like, team were yeah I think it obviously I think they're at their peak with Mike Vick but there are some of those defenses that they had I don't know back when I was in high school that it was they were kind of just churning out the they were DBU for a while with, with just a bunch of dudes. And I remember back in the old PlayStation 2 days, that would be who who I rolled with uh, for a few different years worth of uh, with a worth of dynasties with just crazy, crazy uh, uh, defensive backs that could just get interceptions for days. I think they had a guy who went by Nacho Harris uh, who had a, had a – had a cup of coffee in the NFL, but he was a, a really good college player. But uh, last week I, I brought up maybe a Mount Rushmore of college football entrances when we talked about Clemson. Uh, pretty cool in Blacksburg when they when they do the inner Sandman and, and the whole stadium gets rocking. Uh, some songs are just synonymous with, with some teams, and inner Sandman for Virginia Tech is one of them. Uh, I'm taking North Carolina, though. 
really just because I'm a, a Tar Heel basketball fan. I think they're the better team. So I'm going Tar Heels. You, you didn't you didn't chime in on the uniform. What do you think of the North Carolina uniform? Well, Annie kind of stole my thunder. I do like when they do have the navy blue with the with the blue accent. They've had some awesome uh, helmets recently. Some like with the reflective silver, and I'm a sucker for a black uniform. So when they do the black and the baby blue, uh, I do think like. Obviously, the Jordan brand is synonymous with North Carolina. And when you see the Jordan brand on the North Carolina football jerseys, it fits. Like, it, it looks good because you're used to seeing the Jordan brand on that on that baby blue. What about Michigan? Not the same way with Michigan. <laughs> the Jordan brand on Michigan just does not fit very well. Okay, but does it look better on Mac Brown or Harbaugh? <laughs> Well, I didn't, know, I didn't know the Jordan, Jordan made brand made a khaki. I didn't know they, they made a khaki. It's Walmart khakis and then a Jordan Jordan brand crew neck. Uh, I don't really like the way either one of them fill out, fill it out. So, <laughs> gosh, any Is that unanimous though? on North Carolinas then? Yep. Yeah. Any podcast though where you can name drop Nacho Harris? That's when you know you're getting good quality of research right there. Nacho Harris. NCAA or old, or old seven, Todd Herman. Or Todd. <laughs> Dear Lord, we've seen better days. Um, <laughs> the next game on the docket also is an 11 o'clock kickoff. So perfect for multiple screens there. If you got two, which someone in this quadrant here does have two now, this guy. Um, it's number four, Florida, who comes in at 2-0 and against number 21, Texas A&M, who comes in at 1-1. One one. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff on ESPN, and Florida's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, now, these two teams are, are linked, and uh, it's kind of through Florida's offense. Florida, um, this is the first offense that has been potent both running and passing since probably the Tebow days. Very often, um, Florida has either been all run and no pass, and has gone eight and four, nine and three, and gotten coaches fired, or last year where they're all pass and no run. Um, but Kyle Trask has this offense. It's uh, the fourth in the nation right now, uh, offensively. Uh, last year, they're 29th. The year before, 22nd. And the year before that, in 2017, I believe, 109th in the nation of points per game, which is, which is obviously tough to win when you're uh, being outscored in – 108 out of 100, 130 teams there. But uh, Kyle Trask is their quarterback. He's drawn a ton of Tebow comparisons because he's a, he's a righty, though, not, not quite the lefty uh, Tebow is. But um, he's, he's a big, strong, physical kid who can run, but he, he's a pretty darn good passer. His favorite target right now is Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's got six TDs in two games. And so Kyle Pitts, the tight end, is a, a threat all over the field for Florida. Uh, Texas A&M has a very, uh, I don't say inexperienced defense, but they did lose a few guys to the NFL last year. And they came off a game last week against Alabama where they gave up 435 yards passing to Mac Jones. And so Kyle Trask could have easily a field day, um, but is a six and a half point favorite. On Texas A&M side, uh, they have a very kind of mediocre offense, but Florida's defense isn't the Florida defense of the last few years, which really kept Florida in games. Um, it's not up to that Florida standard, 
But sometimes I kind of wonder about Jimbo Fisher. And I think a lot of the Texas A&M Aggie fans do too. Um, he had a couple good years, obviously, with Florida State with Jameis Winston at the quarterback position. But it seems like Kellen Mond is certainly far from Jameis Winston. Um, they beat Vandy in week one, 17-12. And then last week they lost to Bama 52-24. So this is always that team where it seems like they have a top three, top four, top five recruiting class. But it always – equates to eight and four or nine and three. And so uh, my question is, is, is this a game where Texas a can kind of keep it close um, and maybe make a statement saying, hey, yeah, we're not quite at the Alabama level, but people say Florida is number two, number three, number four in the SEC, and we can compete right there with them. Um, but I also believe that Florida is going to come out and throw all over them. And if they don't want to throw, they'll run right down their throats as well. And so Florida, I'll take Florida and probably the points as well. Danny, your pick? I'm, before I make my pick, I'm pretty excited because there's one little fun fact that you didn't mention uh, in your thorough research. Is it it the the connectivity of the two programs? Because I totally spaced that as I let in with it. Well, I mean, do you want to, do you want to go back to it? The connectivity? Is that that your, your connection or is that... Well, you said the name Kyle a lot. So Kyle Trask is named after Kyle Field. He grew up 20 minutes away from College Station. And uh, so his, his parents named Kyle, Kyle, or Kyle Trask, Kyle, after Kyle Field, the, the 12th man there at Texas, or yeah, 12th man at Texas A&M. Is yep, that, that what was it? Was? it. Oh, now, I'm sorry. now I don't really have anything. I, I mean, we have a Kyle on our crew. Kyle, do you know where your name came from as – is it cool, like a name of a field? Uh, no, but do you want to hear it? Yeah. Curious now. Yeah. Uh, my my godfather's name was Jordan Kyle, and they liked the middle name Kyle, so that's where I got my name from. Yeah. Also cool, but, uh, you know, you're not, not starting quarterback it's, it's for Florida, okay. so. It's okay. I thought you were going in a totally different direction than that. It was like, yeah, my godfather's name is Jordan, um, and they didn't like that, so they went with Kyle. Uh, here's, Ooh, a, here's a fun fact, though, that I'm almost sure it's true. As, to put it in a Brandon Peterson phrase, I'm 95% that it's true. <laughs> Probably trending toward 80%. But I think my mom told me at one point uh, that as I was about to be born, she wanted, to, she wanted my name to be Michael Jeffrey. Any guys didn't know anything about Michael Jeffrey? Michael I don't. Jordan or something. Michael Jeffrey Michael Jordan. Michael Jeffrey or... Jordan. Like, I was going to be named after Michael Jordan, first in first name, middle name. Uh, however, I was from a, a small community, and uh, about, I think his birthday is in July, a, a kid that uh, was kind of from my community was born about four or five months before me, and they named him Michael. So my mom decided not to name me after Michael Jordan. So this is all like very near you being named Jordan instead of Kyle. No, Jordan was never, was never a a possibility. It was Michael Jeffrey. But but your godfather's name was Jordan Kyle. Yeah. So you're flirting with the Michael Jeffrey Jordan. I'm just saying, I I think a lot of people would. Kyle, geez, this is like the like the catchphrase of it all. I just think you'd be cooler if your name is Jordan. That's my point. 
But no, back, to the, back to the Kyles we were talking about, Kyle Trask has 10 touchdowns, touchdown throws on the year. And like you said, six of them are to Kyle Pitts, which is – if I had that dude as a tight end on my fantasy team, I'd be pretty excited about that. Uh, I, I think this will be a good game. It's, it's, it's another one of those on the 11 a.m. slate. Um, I don't know a whole lot about either team, uh, but, but our friend Ty over at Nebraska Land Bank, uh, I was talking to him, and he is a, actually a, a Florida grad. He and his wife graduated from there, so he's got kind of the, the inside track on Florida. And I always think it's interesting. We're all, I would say, all college football fans are slightly pessimistic. Like, we're all excited about our teams, but there's always that one thing that's just kind of bothering us. And so um, his, his, his phrase was, against, uh, against South Carolina, their defense couldn't tackle anyone and really rolled over against them. So he's not so excited about, about the Florida defense, but obviously pretty excited about his quarterback. Um, that said, in my mind, uh, and Andy made fun of me the other day about it because I asked if Texas A&M was in the SEC now. And I think he said, yeah, duh, it's an all-SEC schedule. So in, in my mind, A&M still a Big 12 team, and, and I think the Big 12 right now has proven that they also don't have any defense. Um, so my recommendation is Florida wins the game, and uh, whatever the over is, uh, go ahead and, and, and bet the over. So I'm, I'm picking Florida there. What's up, Kyle? I was just going to say, you t- talking about uh... – Ty being a, a former graduate, I think we're burying the lead here because only one of us is currently enrolled in the University of Florida. I think we probably should have went to, to him first in in the uh, in the talking of his very own Florida Gators. So I think you better wrap it up because there's probably only one guy who's actually an expert in Florida Gator football. Oh, me? Me? That's you, that's you no, Brandon. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I have a little bit more at, at stake with this game than I would have a few weeks ago, perhaps, as now I'm registered uh, for the and been accepted for a graduate certificate program at University of Florida. And uh, I sign up for classes like November 2nd or November 3rd with my advisor come up with my learning plan and and what classes and what order in the semesters I'm going to be taking so I'm I'm pretty excited about that and uh Florida I got to tell you they're undefeated since my uh commitment so uh, they have not lost a game ever since I've started uh associating with them um on the other side we got I'm going to talk a little bit about Texas A&M uh, I kind of think that there's been no team more historically overrated than Texas A&M. It seems like uh, that team can be like one in five and somehow in a, in a non-COVID year find themselves in, as a top 15 rating. And so uh, I think the Aggies' only chance is to try to keep Florida off the field by utilizing their running back, Smith. Uh, he's a good young running back. I think he's a sophomore probably a sophomore, I'm pretty sure. And uh, good running the ball, but he also is a pretty good little receiving threat as well. Uh, I think they got to try to win some time of possession, uh, and that's going to be necessary to protect their horrendous defense, which has been 
incredibly suspect against the pass. Um, I've heard that Florida would like to bring a little more balance to their offense, uh, utilize their run game that they worked hard to improve on during this offseason. And I think that's going to set up some nice play action pass opportunities from a future Philadelphia mid-round pick, uh, Kyle Trask. And he'll be uh, hooking up a lot of deep passes to a future first-round Philadelphia Eagle, Kyle Pitts. That guy's pretty good. I like watching him early on and seeing some highlights, and he's putting up a, a lot of yards. So, uh, you know, because I think Oregon – or Oregon. <laughs> because uh, Florida's the better team, and uh, because now I'm a bit of a Gator fan, I'm waiting for my Florida shirt to get here. I got to go with the old – Go Gators! Florida win. <laughs> How about you, Kyle? Who you got? Um, so I, I honestly can't believe that I'm the the fourth one to talk about the game, and and nobody's mentioned. And I had to look up his first name because he he only goes by a last name for me. But uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, he's kind of to me uh, uh, the current version of a, a Percy Harvin, where they put him in the backfield, they put him uh, split out. He's the kick returner, the punt returner. And to me, he's the most dynamic player on the field anytime he's he gets the ball in his hand. So uh, if you watched last week, I, I know he had a, about a 50-yard uh, touchdown catch. And I honestly think they'll put him in whatever position that they need to get him the ball. Uh, probably a guy they try to get the ball in his hands 10 to 15 times a game. He's, he's not, a, not a running back, but uh, – Probably not a wide receiver either. He's just kind of that plug-and-go type of guy. Uh, probably somebody that the Chiefs are going to end up with on their team somehow, some way uh, down the line. Uh, oh, just, hey, the only, the only NFL teams that are drafting on this podcast are the Eagles, man. So you oh, just yeah. have to put, if we're put counting, on the Eagles. If we're counting, the Eagles just drafted their 14th quarterback <laughs> because uh, – when when Andy was talking about the the kid from North Dakota State, I was actually trying to get my abacus out to do all the figuring because I was I was trying to think back to which first round quarterback were we actually talking about because apparently somehow uh, the the Philadelphia Eagles not only have the number one pick but also like the number three or four pick uh, and taking two uh, future quarterbacks. Well, plus also taking a tight end. Kyle Pitts as well as his other first-round picks. So they've got oh, eight or nine first-round picks. <laughs> and the, the best part is all these guys that, that Brandon is drafting for the Eagles, like he's already visibly disappointed in them as he's drafting them. <laughs> Just waiting for him to He disapproves up. of them already as he's drafting them for the Eagles. I'm waiting for him to show up on the injury reserve, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, anyways, I'm taking Florida. I, I think uh, Kadarius Tony is just going to kind of be wherever he needs to be. Kind of, you'll you'll see him kind of running through and around in uh, the A and M secondary because I agree with with Brandon. Ever since Manziel kind of strolled through there, uh, they've always been about 20 spots higher than than what they really should be in terms of. Uh, results on the field always had good talent, but in terms of results, besides uh, Johnny Manziel in a couple of years plus uh, a couple of big upsets of Alabama, they've been pretty over or underwhelming. So uh, I'll take Florida, which I think means that we're all in the same same game except for except for our last one. 
So before we get to that, you and and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, twelve and three is pretty darn good, Kyle. Uh, I'm impressed. You're not watching by that. a football game. That's really impressive. Uh, yeah, and then he's throwing out names of players that none of us know, like he, like he's been watching. Now that's your fault because Tony is, I think, their best player. So uh, oh, I haven't, no, I I haven't watched, I haven't watched Florida at all, other than like maybe just some highlights and stuff. Uh, um, but I guess my question that I was going to ask you, how much uh, strategy is this with you picking the same teams that that the rest of us have picked? because you're in the lead has that figured into your picks at all or you just no it hasn't yet and I, I was obviously talking to you uh at school today or yesterday and I, I kind of I told you I was like I wanted to pick Air Force but it's pretty early in the year but I, I wanted to pick Air Force but Brandon had such an impassionate speech about him and the three of you had already picked Navy and I was like eh, I'm not real sure Brandon seems pretty confident I think I'm just going to protect my my game lead here and and pick the same team, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to do that anymore. I had these these picks already kind of made in my head, and uh, as I'm assuming what you guys are going to be picking on the next game, I think we might have a little bit of a difference of opinion. So I don't know. Would it be better for us to all blindly or pick without knowing each other's picks ahead of time, or do it like we have been doing it, where we I guess you could do it on the honor code and say, like, everybody has to have their picks in before. I do enjoy not knowing what you guys are picking, but uh, I will say that last week I, I kind of let the the majority swing me here so I could protect my lead. But this week I had I, I told you I was going to gonna play her straight because clearly I'm the best picker among us since I won the first competition we've had, and now I'm off to a commanding two-game lead in this one. So I think I think following the herd and this crew is only leading to bad things for me. You, you have every right to uh, to be confident right now. You've proven yourself a pretty good picker, man. If well, only my to, fantasy DraftKings league would, would be the <laughs> same amount of success. Like just kind of build it, building off you there, Kyle. Like I was all in on Air Force until Brandon got to his the end of his celebrate cheese celebration cheese sentence and then he went in about how navy is navy and navy and air force is not 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 and so i just i i, I believe in so good so much that I, i'm upset with myself because i was all in on air force too and so i you know i almost think that i want someone to to make me believe what i should believe in and brandon's kind of that man and so pause ladies and gentlemen pause real quick refill your cup Grab a second helping us of snacks here because Brandon, the storyteller of storytellers, is going to break down a game where, just like last week, a team comes in with three games and the other team comes in with zero. It's Temple who comes in 0-0, the Temple Owls, out of old Philadelphia, another another Philadelphia team and Brandon near to Brandon's heart. They take on the Navy midshipman who is 1-2. This is a 5 o'clock game. It's on CBS Sports Network. This is about the only game on our docket tonight that you might have to have a special uh, package to have. But Temple enters with a three-point uh, favorite. Not playing a game. No, no, not a, not a practice. Not a game. Practice. Uh, at negative three points, Brandon, 
who who should we be looking out for? All right. I got to tell you, I've had this thing circled for a long time. And then uh, the game actually got moved because uh, Temple wanted a little more time to prepare. So then I had to erase that circle and draw a slightly more perfect circle and a little darker around the next part of it. So finally, we're at this game. I'm excited for Temple football to be back. And, uh, you know, I know I know my uh, reputation out there is a little shaken after the uh, Air Force debacle uh, that went happened last week. You know, and earlier I said blame Navy, but you know what? I point that finger. I got three more pointing right back at me. It's my fault. This is my bad. You know, and this is me holding myself accountable. Um, here's the deal. Little did I know that my relentless research and persuasive words would sway the picks of our cast and millions of sports bettors across America. Who knew that my profound constructive criticism of Air Force was going to be used as bulletin board material of such a great magnitude that it would create a huge sense of urgency that wheeled the Falcons to the largest blowout of an upset in, in modern memory for me, in, in near recent memory. Little did I know, as we were recording our podcast, thousands of miles above my house, the transmission was intercepted in a jet. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Rogue Squadron Leader Alpha Data Gamma Niedermeyer here. Copy that, Niedermeyer. We hear you. We hear you loud and clear. Uh, the boss is going to want to hear this transmitting message. Message transformation confirmed. Somewhere below Colorado, far below the Earth's surface, in a highly secured area, there's a man draped in blue with a white lightning bolt looking at a multitude of screens. So at the time, we know it wasn't Andy Butler. We're talking a ton of screens. <laughs> and he heard the breakdown. He heard the whole thing. This wasn't just any kind of mysterious guy. It was none other than Coach Troy Calhoun. He made a fist, and he pounds his desk, and he says, well then, Peterson, if it's a blowout you want, it's a blowout you're going to get. <laughs> and then he's like, round up the boys. And, uh, and that's probably what happened, you know? It, it was that whole thing right there. It's, it's never knowing what Navy's going to happen. Three week or week one Navy, whatever, how many weeks ago that was, week Navy, week one Navy says, dude, we're a pretty bad football team. I don't know if we can get much worse. Last week's Navy team says, hey, why don't you hold my Nebraska land sponsored beverage and I'll one up you here and get <laughs> blowed out by Air Force with 40 less players. Are you kidding me? I got to tell you what. So I, that is all on me. I'm going to start, you know, using, you know, using my words in a way that's not going to be used as a weapon of mass destruction uh, to cause all this uncertainty across college football. It's just not right. And I need to use my analysis in words for good. So Navy was without Dalen Morris. I didn't know that. They didn't say that. This whole time, Troy Calhoun smoking mirrors 
trying to do all this crafty stuff. And uh, little did I know Navy was, hey, let's not tell anybody uh, because uh, old Morris, he's not going to be playing for us. Why the heck wasn't he playing for you, Navy? Huh? Ken Niamatololo, you got some, in the words of Ricky Ricardo, you got some splaining to do. Serious splaining. And it turns out nobody's really saying what's wrong with that quarterback. I could tell you that they are saying it's not COVID-related. And some speculate he has an illness that intensifies at high altitudes, which they were playing at a pretty high altitude. So that's kind of a, that's kind of a thing. I wasn't expecting to see Navy being quarterbackless, the one who led the amazing come from behind victory against Tulane. And plus, it turns out just Navy is real terrible against the run. There's not much more I could say about Navy. I don't know what's going to show up. They're terrible. They're good for a half. They're terrible. Are they going to be good for a half this year? Are they just like, no, man, we're going to be terrible. It's hard to say. They look disinterested against Air Force, and that's a pretty pretty good rivalry, you know? I mean, the commander-in-chief, it's important. They don't want to lose to Air Force. They want to they have, like, hey, we're going to win that game. We're going to beat Army, and we're going to be CIC champions. But then Air Force says, not today, my friend. Not today. So, uh, yeah, who knows, about, who knows about Navy? The reason why I picked this game is because of the good old Temple Owls. Some of you sitting at home right now. You know, I wish I knew a little bit more about these Temple Owls. Well, I'm here to help you with that little fix of knowledge today. Temple began as a night school for students with limited means. And uh, they were working solid hours all through the week, going to night school, cramming for their tests, getting as much knowledge as they could to make better lives for themselves. And uh, oftentimes they were referred to as the night owls because they just had to study all night, go to jobs, super tired, you know, because they were trying to better their situation. Well, the school founder and minister also of the Grace Baptist Church, Russell Conwell, told a group of these discouraged, worn out, just beat down students. He said, you know what? I know things seem tough for you right now. And they said, yeah, sure is. Uh, Reverend Conwell. I, I don't know if they called him uh, Dr. Conwell, Reverend Con- probably Reverend out of respect, you know. And he said, well, guess what? The owl of the night makes for the eagle of the day. And they were like, you know what? That's pretty inspirational, bro. And he's like, you're dang right it is. And he's like, plus it's going to be crazy because in the future, we're going to have a football team that's going to be playing at the Eagle Stadium at Lincoln Financial Field. And they were like, hands to the side of their head, fireworks, like, cause their mind was blown. I'm trying to describe that you for the listeners at home. So that's how they became the owls. They're like, man, Hey, we, we want to be those owls. I think that's cool because their mascot had to do with academic reasons. It's not cause people go to Philadelphia and be like, dude, so many owls there. It's crazy. Nobody's saying that, you know, and, and uh, old sports writer didn't say, this nimble-footed team flew around the dark like an owl scouring for rodents. Uh, that didn't happen. It was something that had to do with their academics. Their first owl mascot, it was a gift in 1931 
from the Missouri Tiger football team. How crazy is that? They're like, hey, man, you guys are so cool. We're going to give you this great horned owl. And then uh, the temple people said, oh, that's pretty nice. What's its name? Does it have a name? And the name is Oliver. <laughs> and that's not even a joke. That's just actually what its name was. Oliver <laughs> Temple was like, dude, this is really cool. We are the owls, but I do not have the training to raise an owl up to a grown-up owl. Let's take that thing to the zoo. So they took it out to the zoo. I'm not sure if it's the same zoo, but I'm pretty sure it's got to be the same zoo where uh, Rocky Balboa proposed to Adrian uh, by the Tigers right there. That's what I would have to say. So little, little info, little background information on Temple for you right there. And the great horned owl, Oliver. So Temple's playing their first game of the season, like Coach Butler said. Um, their first game of the season, so we don't know a lot about them right now, but we know they work on their, on their uh, like, reputation of being Temple tough. Shoot, their coach, Rod Carey, he's, he's been there two years. For Temple, that's stability in the coaches' ranks. Man, they go through a lot of coaches. Uh, they're going to look to spread it around. Uh, they, they have their senior quarterback returning, Anthony Russo. He has most of his receiving core back. And uh, they have big physical receivers, good to catch the ball, good at blocking. They're pretty nasty. They like to play physical. Um, but I'm going to look for Ramon Davis to run the ball and have a huge game against the old terrible defensive line that belongs to Navy. Temple defense has a ton of new faces. That's going to be rough for him. Uh, but – they had some people go pro. They had some people transfer away. But they're missing a lot of defensive talent from last year. Uh, but uh, they're going to be able to count on their depth and talent at the defensive tackle position. Uh, they're going to do good against Navy's pitiful run. And they're going to pressure that quarterback when they try to be more balanced and, and run it around. So a uh, few things here. Temple has three weeks of game plan from Navy this year. They've been getting this extra time to prepare for Navy's offense. Normally people are like, yeah, but that triple option with the scout team, it's nothing like the real thing. That may not be the case with this year's Navy team. Pretty bad. Pretty bad at running the ball. Can't do it when they need to. Uh, something else I'm looking forward to is to seeing which of these Temple players are going to have single digits on their jersey. Why is that significant? That's their best players. That's like their jersey tradition. In the past, it had been nine best players uh, get to wear those single digits. Is zero, are they adding zero to the mix? Are they going to have an extra one? Either, one, either way, uh, they're missing some good players. They lost seven single-digit jersey numbers last year. That's, that's pretty significant. Of course, I thought being 40 players short would be significant for uh, Air Force the other week, too. Uh, so, who do I think is going to win? Is it which Navy's going to show up? Is Temple going to be having to shake the cobwebs loose? Or are they going to be ready to go? Well, this is what I think is going to happen. T for Temple U, University. Fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white. For the cherry and the white will fight, fight, fight. I'm going Owls. 
I'm going with the spirit of Oliver, who's going to be watching down on that game, watching Temple whoop the tar out of Navy. So this, this, this could be confusing for Temple, though, because <clears throat> if it's a 5 o'clock kickoff, that means it's going to start in the day and finish at night. So are they going to have to transform from Eagles back into Owls? Because they're an eagle and by the way, they're an owl at night and an eagle by day. Yeah, so the game, the day, the, the game's going to start in the day, so they're eagles, and then it's going to end in the night, so they're owls. And does that even make sense? The owl of the night is the eagle of the day. Heck yeah, man! Like I'm trying to figure out what that actually means. They're like, you got to stay up late. You got to. Put in that time, work hard, and then the next day when it is your time, when it is your day, when you're not having to work the other job and you get to do the dream job, then you're an eagle. Yeah. I'd rather be an eagle all the time. <laughs> Have fun just not doing anything at night. I mean, just – I mean, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Yeah, guys, I uh, I didn't do a lot of research – into this game because I assumed that Brandon was going to take care of that for us. Um, and I remember remember back in the day when, when Brandon convinced me to be a Temple fan. And I actually, yeah, I can't remember why um, I became a Temple fan along with, with Brandon. But we talked about him being persuasive. Um, so I'm going to give him another shot. I think he's yeah. going to persuade yeah. me. Into uh, into supporting Temple in this in this game and uh, and being a Temple fan, so uh, so the, there goes my pick, the Temple Eagle Owls. Nice. Uh, for me, I uh, I've always liked Temple, like not outwardly liked Temple, but I always thought they kind of had an underrated mascot. Uh, only a couple of teams have the Owls as their mascot. First off. But their logo is pretty darn cool. Uh, the owl's face is just it just looks like it's staring through your soul sometimes. Yeah. And uh, it's not a nice owl, that's for sure. Um, but no, they they lost one of their their best defensive linemen to uh, to Miami, and now Miami lost him because he's sitting out for the draft or whatever. But but no, I uh, I always like that tradition. Temple had their their nine best players or most. Uh, well-rounded or most like players get picked their jerseys. And so they'd always have like a D lineman with number four or something crazy like that. It'd be just be the biggest number four you've ever seen. Like they had to special make that Jersey to, to fit over that guy's shoulder pads. And so uh, Navy just never know. Um, but I feel like you have to go with temple. Um, not because they're favored because that's kind of been um, a hit or miss this year, but I just, Temple's been Temple for the last 10 years, even though they've gone through like seven, eight coaches because they go on to bigger and better things. But so much is riding there just with the Temple program. I go, I'm going with Temple. Kyle. So you guys are saying that you don't know about Navy, but yet you're all picking a team that you've not seen play this entire year so far. Uh, I really have no reason why I'm picking one team or the other, uh, but this will be the first chance for you, you poor guys behind to, uh, to make a bit of a comeback because I'm rolling with the Navy midshipmen. Boom. 
Great analysis there, Kyle. Great analysis. Man, a few words there. Taking Navy. Um, our last game of the night, 6.30, primetime ABC. Big game. Uh, maybe, maybe so far probably the game of the year just with matchup and anticipation. Uh, number seven, Miami, who comes in at 3-0, the heart of Kyle, Kyle's heart, maybe the owner of Kyle's heart, near and dear to his. Um, and the number one 3-0 Clemson Tigers, who we're, we've learned the last couple of weeks that uh, Danny's kind of close to. And so, Kyle, uh, it is currently at a 14-point favorite. I learned earlier today that it did not start there, and there's some little words of, of argument going between you awesome. and Danny about uh, some extracurriculars there. But, Kyle, Clemson, Miami, take it away. He loved – my analysis of the last game, you're going to love it for this game. When a matchup is like this, you got to throw all the record books out. You got to throw all the analysis out. It just comes down to, uh, to who he thinks going to win. Okay? We, we've talked about both of these teams multiple weeks now. You got De'Ara King. You got Clemson, Dabo, uh, ETN. Obviously, the smart money is probably on, on Clemson because it's at Clemson as well. Uh, they've been the class of the ACC for going on seven, eight years now probably. Uh, but I don't know. I, I like Miami. I'm going to be rooting for Miami. So, therefore, I'm going to pick Miami. This, that, this, this is the week where where there's going to be a little, little evening. Uh, Miami doesn't have a chance. There's going to be multiple weeks for you to even up with me, Danny. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree, but um, this is what I need to, to start catching up a little bit. You know, you feel like you have to pick Miami because you've been on them all year. Um, you know they're a significant underdog. You know that they probably haven't played anybody the caliber of Clemson in a long time. Um, easy win for Clemson. 14-point uh, favorite, even though we, uh, we have a little side bet, Kyle and I. Uh, a breakfast burrito to be delivered on Monday. Um, we, we had a little argument over how many points it was going to be. Um, I've seen all along that Clemson was a 14-point favorite. Uh, Kyle dialed up some website uh, and, and scrolled through and tried to find the highest point spread he could possibly find uh, and claims that it's a 15-and-a-half-point spread, which is, just, which is just nonsense. Um, but – Regardless of points, we're picking winner. Um, it's it's going to be a an, an easy stroll. It might be close at first, but uh, Miami's not going to be able to hang. Easy stroll in the park for Dabo and the boys. Clemson wins. So we're one to one. Clemson, Miami, uh, Danny, Carolina. Obviously going with Clemson. Um, I'm kind of in that same boat where until someone beats Clemson, I feel like you kind of have to take Clemson. Um, so. Dabo, how those guys ready? Clemson, it is. Brandon, uh, I think this game is going to be actually pretty close, and I had a hard time picking. Uh, early on, people always look to see if Clemson's going to pass the eye test, you know, and they could win a game fifty to nothing. And then people are like, "Well, geez, why didn't they go fifty-six to nothing? Geez, those six points is a big deal. Kind of sloppy." And then they might win another game like. 
56 to 21 and they'll be like, geez, why didn't they shut those guys out? It's never kind of good enough for everybody uh, for that. So I want to see how Clemson does early on. Uh, something that concerns me regarding Clemson is last week uh, to, uh, to try to slow down, you know, uh, Virginia. It was Virginia, right? Yeah. They uh, showed some three down lineman looks and uh, looked to drop the defense back into zones. And they let the quarterback kind of run underneath them. And uh, sometimes that, I think, is not a very good idea uh, to do. Uh, it's going to give King some e easy throws. And if something's questionable, he can take off and run a little bit. Uh, so I want to see how long they let that go on, because I'm sure they're going to try it against Miami, because Miami likes having those guys in space. And I think all Venables is going to try to just not give up the big play. So then can Miami take advantage down in the red zone? Uh, another thing that I think is kind of crazy is special teams, uh, particularly the punting game. Clemson fans uh, don't really think too highly of their punter. And I was reading an article where it says going into the year, they're like, he's a great kid. He's a terrible punter. And uh, real inconsistent. You don't know what's going to kind of go with that. So do I think that's going to hurt Clemson? No. On the contrary, I think it's actually going to help. Miami's had a few muffed punts in the past three games, something that they need to get a little bit concerned about. And uh, sometimes the worst thing for a struggling punt returner is a bad punter where you just don't know where that freaking thing's going to land and it bounces off somebody and uh, Clemson can take advantages of that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Derek King, they're going to duel it out. There's going to be big plays. I think Clemson gets an early lead and then Miami like brings it a little closer and then Clemson does something to get a little bit further, a little bit closer, a little bit further. And I think Clemson is going to win, but I think it's going to be, uncomfortable uh, especially early on Miami Hurricanes a lot of times can start that season off real strong and then you kind of see what happens at the tail end of that season we're still early on right now from Miami and and they look pretty explosive and I just think I don't think it's a good idea for Clemson and I know they're going to do it I don't know they're going to but I just feel like they're just going to try to contain everything and uh, Miami's quarterback, I think, would be in worse shape if they put pressure on him and made him make fast decisions poorly. And I feel like he's going to be comfortable back there. Oh, I'll run. And so, uh, but I think Clemson will make enough plays to win. That's what I think. Which quarterback would you prefer for the Eagles to draft? Uh, when I hear people talk about Trevor Lawrence – I'm starting to hear it a lot this year where they're saying generational talent, you know. I don't know. Uh, I'd probably just go Trevor Lawrence right now just because, um, I don't know, I, I just like him. I don't know. Who knows? I will say when you're talking about it being close, I don't think, I don't think Clemson has covered the, their point spread yet this year. They've been like 28, 24 points. So um, this is the, the – as far as Las Vegas is concerned, the, the tightest matchup they've had. And so you could be on to something. Yeah, they, they haven't. Uh, Miami is 3-0 and against the spread, and Clemson is 0-3. Well, what kind of breakfast burrito do you like? <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, just return. If you, don't, hey, if you don't want to say, you can text me privately. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So just a quick recap of this week's uh, picks here. Uh, we pretty much took the favorites, um, except Kyle straying away in the Temple Navy game. Kyle picked Navy. And Kyle picked Miami in the Miami-Clemson game. So this will either be a week where Kyle really extends that lead by two more games, or we can maybe cut into his lead um, a little bit here and hope that he keeps picking uh, a little bit of reckless as, as we continue through here. Um, the games could split and we stay the exact same distance. Now, no, Andy said it, reckless. You made some reckless picks tonight, buddy. Sometimes you can't pick with your heart. On top of the mountaintop, I don't want to hear you peasants down below. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long ways down. Um, but, no, as we wrap up, uh, as we end every every uh, podcast here with extra points, Kyle, any extra points? Um, I really don't have anything. I think everything that I needed to say has been said. Uh, I, I would venture regardless next week after the result from uh, – the Miami Clemson game, uh, I may have more to say. So <laughs> I'll seed my time until next week. Brandon, extra point. Yeah, you know, I the cardboard cutout thing, uh, Some, you know, I always thought it was kind of neat or whatever, and then I saw something on TV last week, and that kind of made me think about, actually, how that's even cooler than I thought. Uh, people who, like former great college football fans uh, who are – family members and all that and have passed on uh get their chance to be back in the stadiums you know as people have been kind of putting people from you know who they miss who have passed away and all that and uh that's kind of a cool thing you know I never really thought of that like how many people are like yeah you know grandpa gets to go back and and go watch this team play again and have something like that so I just, I just kind of wanted to give that a shout out and I thought it was kind of sweet Danny? Oh, that is cool. Um, along those same lines, I, I was noticing the other night, Monday Night Football, um, all these teams are doing all this cool stuff. Or, like, you look at what the NBA did um, with no fans and, and the, sort of trying to jazz up their stadiums and everything. Um, except for Lambeau Field. I don't know if you guys noticed. What they did to jazz up their stadium was absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, they, they didn't do anything. <laughs> so I don't know. I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool and, and fitting for them. They're like, we don't have fans. No, nope, we're not doing anything. Uh, so, uh, but my my real extra point is we talked about last week or the week before um, what it takes to maintain a high level program and keep winning year after year after year. Um, and and my point was kind of I think after a handful of years of a dynasty, you start to decline. And I'm just going to make a wild prediction right here. I have nothing to base this on other than it seems like Nick Saban's getting a little bit older is that I think this is the year that we start to see a little decline in Alabama. Bold prediction is Alabama doesn't make the college football playoff this year. You're going to write that in pen? Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I said it and it's being recorded, so I'm going to call that good, but that's Alabama. Old take. Alabama does not make the college football playoff. Shoot, with the Big 12 out and the Pac-12 being the Pac-12, 
they've, they've got a good shot there just walking back in, even with four losses. I, I, I just said, with no research or anything to back it up, they're out. It's going to be it's going to be Big Ten and Clemson. All right. On that note, uh, be sure to follow us, uh, interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Even share your hatred for Desmond Howard with us. I'm sure it'll be worth two or three retweets, um, a heck of a comment, heck of a like uh, by yours truly. Um, also check out Doug Flutie's Maximum Football and let us know who is playing in the Sing Second Nebraska Good Life Bowl. Again, uh, that's found on both PlayStation and Xbox. Um, and I think it's running at $29.99. And so they're, they're, they're making updates all the time, making it a smoother game. And so keep supporting them so that way uh, it becomes the new college football game. Um, again, lastly, thank you for tuning in. It's been, what, three, four weeks in a row now. We're really getting kind of back into our groove. Uh, keep sticking with us. It's been fun. Hopefully you enjoy as much as we do. Um, thanks for tuning in. And be like Air Force. First off, celebrate cheese and sing second. Thank you.